I don't, I don't feel any faith in the house, Pastor. <laughs> you better get with me quick because I'm almost done. Mark, Mark chapter 5 in closing. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, I'm... Praise God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. You know what? We ought to have fun at church, shouldn't we? Man, I'm glad we're not a church that's stiff and can't have a good time. This is the best place to be, you know it? Being in the house of God with the people of God. Amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Who here somewhere in your life need you need a miracle. Just raise your hand and wave a little bit. You need a miracle somewhere. Almost every hand in the building. Beautiful. Well, that's who I'm preaching to tonight. It's what I felt the Lord impressed me to do. Mark 5, verse 24 says, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. So this lady has got problems, and she's had problems for a while. Let's read on. Hopefully it's going to get better. And had suffered many things of many physicians. Ugh, this ain't looking good. Come on, let's keep reading. It's got to get better. Come on. And had spent all that she had. Boy, this is getting ugly, isn't it? Come on, it's got to change. Let's keep reading. And was nothing better. Well, I'm telling you what. This is, this is a downhill spiral, folks. It's got to change. Just keep reading. But rather, oh, come on. What's your Bible say? Seriously, come on now. If this is where it's at, we might as well just go ahead and go eat now. This is, I mean, there's no sense in hanging around if this is where we're stuck. But before we throw in the towel, let's read one more verse. Verse 27, when she had heard of Jesus. I want you to know Jesus makes all the difference. I said, Jesus makes all the difference. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. When Jesus gets involved, he makes all the difference. Can you say amen? And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus wrapped it up with verse 34, and he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Praise God. I want to talk to you for just a little while. The moments before the miracle. The moments before the miracle. Would you pray and ask God to help me and us tonight? Somebody lift your voice and let's touch the Lord. Oh, Master, I need you, Jesus. I pray that you would move tonight. Preach through me and to me. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, bring revelation. Cause there to be an anointing, Lord, to heal and deliver and move. In Jesus' name. If you have hands, let's clap them and let's magnify Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You can sit down, but don't shut down. 
Praise God. We serve a miracle-working God. How many of you have ever had a miracle? Testify by raising your hand and waving a little bit. Look around the room. There's miracles all over the house. We serve a miracle-working God. And guess what? He still works miracles in 2019. In fact, the Bible teaches us very clearly this. 2 Corinthians 3, he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where is his spirit? Well, it's everywhere at all times. So no matter where you are, he is. But it doesn't stop there. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The word liberty there means no restraint. So wherever God is, there's nothing holding him back from doing what needs to be done. How does that equate with you and I? Well, that means no matter where you are, he is. And no matter what you're going through, there's nothing that can stop him from taking care of whatever your need is. Amen. We serve a miracle working God. Praise God. And I've been raised in Pentecost. I don't know anything else. And I've learned that, that there's some things I'm not sure we quite get. Uh, the, Jesus said, ask and it might be given you. Oh, what did he say? Ask and what? It shall. Do we really believe that? Ask and it shall be given. You seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. If we really believe this, this is going to change everything for us. Because when we start asking, we can start expecting. But growing up in Pentecost, I've learned we're good at asking and seeking and knocking. But we struggle with receiving. Amen. Now, if it's somebody else's miracle, man, I can get excited about it. We'll pray. Oh, hallelujah. God's going to do it. Man, we'll talk in tongues and dance and get all happy over somebody else's miracle. But when it's my miracle... I just don't understand. I don't know how God's going to do it. And we start struggling with how God's going to do it because it's our miracle. Listen, if he can do it for you, he can do it for me. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, is he not? Listen, I, I tell you what I'm after. I want everybody to leave this building today. Instead of looking around the corner expecting a problem, which is what we're pretty good at. Come on, we can look around the corner and figure out how it's going to fall apart. If we can look around the corner and figure out why it ain't going to work, it's even part of our, of our culture. Think about this. When we see somebody doing something, we walk up and go, hey, what's wrong? Why can we not walk up and say, hey, what's right? It's just, it's just part of, of who we are. We, we tend, if we're not careful, toward the negative. But I wonder what would happen if we left here today and instead of looking around the corner expecting a problem, if we'd look around the corner expecting a miracle. Amen. In fact, tell your neighbor right now, God's going to work it out. Oh, come on. Tell them like you really believe it. Come on, look them right in the eyes and tell them God's going to work it out. In fact, I wonder if there's anybody bold enough just to shout, it's mine. Oh, come on, shout it like you believe it. It's mine. Listen, if God's promised you a miracle, shout, it's mine. Listen, it's not will God, it's God will. It's not can God, it's God can. Amen. Listen, I want you to understand God can give you that job. God can give you that promotion. God can heal your body. God can open that door. God can write your mind. He can dismiss that depression. He can bind up your broken heart. He can wipe away every worry. He can remove every mountain because my God is a miracle working God. Amen. 
The church that we just resigned in, in uh, November of 18, just last year, uh, God began to move. About two and a half or so years in, we, we stepped into an arena of, of, of the miraculous, and we began to see just an unbelievable amount of miracles. We, we saw literally saw the dead raised. We saw blinded eyes open. It was just amazing what we saw God begin to do. But one of the miracles that, that was so close to my heart had to do with my little grandbaby, Olivia. Olivia, this precious little girl, was born with a lot of issues. In fact, it it wasn't just one. It was a multitude of things wrong. By the time she was three years old, she'd had four major surgeries. We were constantly traveling from state to state trying to find specialists and and different hospitals. And it was just, she was constantly under the knife. It was really just a nightmare. And And we one day... In our church, we had an evangelist, and he called people down that wanted, uh, you know, needed a miracle, needed prayer. And my son-in-law brought Olivia down, and she was about 18 months old or so at the time. And one of Olivia's issues was one of the many was that she had scoliosis. Her little back, if you looked at her from behind, it was twisted like this, but it was also twisted this way, so she almost had like a little hump. And, uh, and so my son-in-law brought her down. He was standing there holding her. We just went through and laid hands on her, prayed for her like we did everybody else, believing, trusting God to do it. And I got about, I don't know, eight or ten people down with the evangelist praying with people. And all of a sudden, I hear a scream. I'm talking about a bona fide man scream. And I'm like, who, who is this? I start looking around, and I see my son-in-law has handed the baby off, and he's just kind of squatted like he's about to attack, and he's bowed up just screaming, I'm like, well, praise God. And we're having church now. And while I'm watching him, he just starts to fall. Doesn't check up, doesn't stop, stays bowed up. Boom, bounces off the ground. Now he's laying on the ground. (sighs) Runs out of air. And his mouth is still wide open like he's screaming, but nowhere. He's just laying on the ground going. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you, there ought to be things happening in a Pentecostal church that we can't exactly figure out. Come on, if they walk in out off the street and they can understand everything that's going on, maybe we're not quite being the Pentecostals we need to be. Come on, I want something supernatural taking place. I want something righteous and holy taking place. Amen? And so I'm thinking, man, we're just having good church. And, man, he lays there for a while, and we went on praying with people, and finally he gets up and walks over to my daughter. They grab a little Olivia. Again, she's only 18 months old. They start taking her little frilly dress off. And I'm like, what? And, and then they start squalling and hugging each other. And I'm, okay, somebody's got to help me. And so I went and I was like, what's going on? And he said, I was standing there with Olivia and I'm holding her. And he said, I was just saying, God, I'm so tired of my baby going under the knife. I'm so tired of my baby getting poked and prodded. I'm so weary, Lord Jesus, with all that's going on. He said, I have never seen and witnessed a miracle in, in, in front of me ever in my life. I've heard about them all my life, but I've never witnessed one. And he said, I'm sitting there praying with my eyes closed, praying this prayer. And I said, God, I want you to heal Olivia's back. And he said, as soon as I said it, a hand slipped underneath mine. He said, I thought you had come back and were praying for her again. So I just kept my eyes closed and kept on praying. He said, then the hand started moving underneath mine, and I didn't think much about it. Then it started kind of getting violent and twisting. And he said, I thought, who in the world is doing this to my daughter? He said, when I went to open my eyes to see who was there, nobody was there. But Olivia's back was churning and changing underneath his hand. When they pulled her little dress off, her back was 
was normal, just like any other baby's. God had healed it right there in the middle. I've just come to tell somebody, my God is a miracle worker. Come on, if you need a miracle, why don't you clap your hands, lift your voice. Come on, are you bold enough to stand up and claim it? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Oh, he's able. Somebody shout, it's mine. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God did it right there in the service. Now I understood why daddy was coming because he felt this baby's back. God changed it and put it back perfectly. That's what kind of God we serve. But it's easy to preach about the miracle and the rejoicing after. It's easy to preach about babies' backs getting straightened out and blinded eyes open and deaf ears being unstopped and financial blessings and all that. But who talks about the moments before the miracle? The struggle. The panic. The worry. The confusion. The questions. The concerns. The what-ifs. And the maybes. You see, we like to preach about lepers being cleansed. But we have issue with dealing how they lived a life as outcasts before. We like to talk about the man at the gate called beautiful, leaping and dancing and praising God as he goes into the temple. But who deals with the fact that he spent a lifetime of suffering? Love to talk about blinded eyes being opened, but who discusses the darkness that they had to face? Or the dead being raised? Man, isn't that exciting, but who discusses the lack of life that they had to go through? You see, it's uncomfortable to preach about the prerequisite for a miracle. You know what that is? Problems. Because there can never be a miracle if there's not a need. Everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to need a miracle. So listen, if there's no mess, there's no miracle. If there's no problem, there's no power. If there's no, if there's no trouble, there's no, uh, there's no triumph. If there's no addiction, there's no deliverance. So listen, if everything's good with you, then rest assured, I'm sorry, but you're just not positioned for a miracle. But if you're in the middle of a mess... If your back is against the wall, hallelujah, if you can't find a way out of your dilemma, if there's no light at the end of your tunnel, if you're drowning in a sea of trouble, if the doctor's given you some bad news, I've come to give you some good news. You're simply in the moments before your miracle. God sent me here tonight to tell you, you've not been overlooked. You've not been passed by. You've not been ignored. God's just getting ready. He's got you in the moments before your miracle. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare stop in the moments before your miracle. But let's be honest. When you're struggling, it's hard to relate to the Bible sometimes. Can I just be honest? Sometimes Bible miracles feel like happy fairy tales rather with happy endings. Come on, when you're in a financial struggle, it's hard to relate to Peter needing tax money, so he goes fishing. Wouldn't that be nice next time the car notes do? Hey, who's got a boat? 
I got to go catch me some car note money. Wouldn't that be nice? When you find you have a terrible sickness, it's hard to relate to a lame man jumping off a porch where he lay for 38 years. Instantly healed. When you're facing rejection, it's hard to relate to 10 cleansed lepers being restored back to a society that once scorned them and despised them. When you have no direction, it's hard to relate to a blind man with mud smeared into his eyes. And when he finally washes off, he begins to miraculously see. But these stories are in God's word on purpose. They're there to build our faith. These were real people with real hurts, real pain, real problems, and real trouble. Just like you and I have real hurts, real pain, real problems, and real troubles. Amen? In John chapter 5, this guy sat through 38 years of church services, waiting for the angel to trouble the waters and never got his miracle. 38 years he sat through it, never got his miracle. So that was 38 years he came to church needing a miracle and left without it. Think about that. But also, it was 38 years he came to church needing a miracle and he saw somebody else get a miracle. Let's talk about that uncomfortable subject for a minute. Let's talk about coming to church needing a miracle and some Yahoo on the other side of the church stands up and says, oh, let me tell you, can I testify? I need to tell you what Jesus did. And they're testifying about the exact miracle that you need. If we're not careful, it's easy to get a little cynical. It's easy to get a little frustrated. It's easy to say, you know what, the devil starts whistling. Well, you know what, they're perfect and you're not. You know, that God's not, he, he's not listening to you. You know what, they, 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 and you know all the junk the devil starts whispering in our heads about how we're not good enough and we didn't pray enough and we didn't do this enough and God's overlooking us and God's, he's passed by us for this reason and that reason. No, 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 listen, I just want to encourage somebody here because we understand now we're in the moments before the miracle. Whenever that person stands up to testify, it doesn't matter if it's been 38 years. When they stand up to testify and you ain't got your miracle yet, let's not get cynical, but because of our understanding, we ought to be the first ones to stand up and say, oh, I'm going to praise God with you because it ain't going to be long that I'm going to be standing up saying, Pastor, I got a testimony. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Listen, I've come to preach to somebody. You're merely in the moments before your miracle. Somebody say, it ain't over. Oh, look at your neighbor and tell him, it ain't over. 38 Years of church services didn't get his miracle. The lady in our text, 12 years of faithfulness didn't get her miracle. What does that tell us? <laughs> tells us you better not miss the next service. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that stink if the day that God decided to do it for you, you decided to throw in the towel? Come on now. Listen, I just want to encourage you. You just keep on living for God. You just keep on coming. You just keep on praising God because your day's coming. You're merely in the moments before your miracle. Can you say amen? amen. Disaster, fear, infirmities, panic, anxiety, terror, tribulation. To the world, these are fearful terms. But to a child of God, these are just indicators that we're in the moments before the miracle. <laughs> Listen, we've got to stop allowing emotion to pull us away from what God's trying to do for us. 
Amen. Next time you start feeling anxiety, instead of being upset about it, you ought to start praising God because now we understand, hey, I'm just in the moments before my miracle. And the enemy's doing his best to get me distracted and sidetracked so that I don't step into everything God has for me. Listen, we cannot give up in the moments before our miracle. Imagine what the disciples went through when Jesus, their king, was beaten, crucified, and buried. All their hopes are dead. Their dreams are buried. How could there be a kingdom without a king? Where are they going to go now? Imagine the discussions they had. What are we going to do now? And here's the big one that the devil loves throwing on us. Have we believed in vain? Oh, doesn't he love to get on you? You're wasting your time praying. You're wasting your time believing that. Listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is not in vain. Listen, your prayers are not in vain. Your worship is not in vain. Your faithfulness is not in vain. Your witness is not in vain. Your giving is not in vain. You keep on doing what you know to do. You're just merely in the moments before the miracle. And it is not in vain. If God promised it, he's going to do it and there is nothing that can hold him back from it 12 years this lady waited can you imagine the stress and the grief fear that she went through 12 years and suffered many things it's in there like that on purpose many things there was so much junk she was going through they just said just just put many the list is too long I don't know about y'all but my problems never show up by themselves they bring the whole family, Pastor. I mean, they, they, everybody's moving in. You know what I'm talking about. And she suffered many things. Imagine the roadblocks and the dread. And had spent all. So she's sick. She's been sick for 12 years. She's suffered many things of many physicians. Now she's broke. What, what setbacks did she deal with? What anxiety did, did she have to deal with? And she spent all night. It says that on purpose. So now not only is she sick, she has no recourse to pay to get help. And then it says she never got better. I, imagine the frustration and the misery that she went through. Never For 12 years, never got better. I've been around people that have had elongated sickness, and you find them on those days where they're like, you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. I think it's going to be all right. Not her. Never got better, the book says. In fact, she got worse. So if her pain was a two yesterday, today it's a three. If her anxiety was a four yesterday, today it's a five. Every single day she got better. I mean, got worse rather, never got better. But thank God she didn't quit. Even when the odds were against her, even when it seemed like there was no way out, listen, no matter how bad it is, no matter how impossible it seems, you got to keep living for God. Listen, sometimes you got to sing in the middle of difficult circumstances. Sometimes you just got to bow up and dance in the middle of defeat. Sometimes you got to come to church when it's the last thing you even want to do, but you do it just to be faithful and you do it because you love God and you do it because you know I'm just in the moments before my marriage. Somebody clap your hands and praise God right now. Hallelujah. They couldn't cast the devil out of a boy, so they said, let's send him to Jesus. And the Bible said, as he was yet a coming, this boy can see Jesus. He's almost to Jesus. The Bible says the devil threw him down and tear him. He's on his way to his miracle. 
and the devil jumps in and throws him down and tears him. Now, we don't know how many other times the devil threw him down. Or nobody knows how many other times the devil tore him, but we do know it was so nasty this time. It was so ugly this time that it, was, that it merited being mentioned in the Holy Scriptures. It was not a pretty sight. And that phrase where it says to throw him down, that literally means to wreck him. Isn't that just like the devil? You're about to step into your miracle, and the devil jumps in and wrecks it. You went to church. You went to that meeting. You got a word from God. You were prophesied to you. You were in a corner in the prayer room. You know God spoke to you. You knew you had a word from God. You got up from there. Man, you had your head up high, your shoulders squared. Man, you had a little, little swag going on because you was like, God got this. This is going down. He's going to take care of this. And you're about to step into your miracle. And the devil jumps in and wrecks it. And then you find yourself going, well, maybe, maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe that, maybe that prophet didn't know what he was talking about. Maybe sister so-and-so, maybe she missed it. And Man, we, you know what I'm talking about. You get down, the devil pushes you down, and you get wrecked. And that's what this boy was going through. Right when he's about to get to Jesus, he's on the verge of his miracle, and the devil rushes in and wrecks him. He's about to be delivered. It's going to be, it's going to be spectacular. But the devil rushes in and throws him down, wrecks him, and tears him. Listen, has it ever occurred to you that the reason the devil's fighting you so hard is that you're closer to your miracle than you have ever been? And the devil's going, no, 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 no. I can't let you get there. I can't let you keep going because I'm about to throw. I don't want you to get everything. Oh, somebody ought to stand up with me right now and tell the devil, I will not quit in the moments before my miracle. Come on, somebody stand up and lift your voice right now. I will not quit. Everybody stand with me if you would. I'm coming to a close. It ain't over. I said it ain't over. I don't care what the doctor said. It ain't over. I don't care what the therapist said. It ain't over. I don't care what your family said. It ain't over. I don't care what the devil said. It ain't over. God, I'm just in the moments before my miracle. Here's what I like to do. I want to open this altar for some specific people. And when I call for you, I want you to come as quick as you can like the waters of trouble. We're about to make the devil mad. If you've been praying for something at least 12 years, like the lady in our text, at least 12 years and it hasn't come to pass yet, I want you to come as quickly as possible. At least 12 years you've been praying for some miracle that hasn't come to pass. Anybody? At least 12 years. Beautiful. Thank you. Come on down. Get close up here. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. If you've been praying for something at least five years, I want you to come down as quick as possible. Maybe you're praying for a lost loved one, praying about a financial situation, family situation. Beautiful. Look at this. Beautiful. Take a step forward if you can. We're going to start stacking folks in here. Hallelujah. At least five years. Beautiful. Beautiful. Hallelujah. If you've been praying for any kind of miracle now, go ahead and press your way down in here. Any kind of miracle at all. If you've been praying for something for 30 seconds, come on down. Beautiful. While you're coming, while they're packing in here, I'm going to tell you one last story. 
I was raised in Pentecost. I had two older sisters. Both of them backslid, and they backslid. My oldest sister, you name it, she was probably involved in it. I have been at her house when her third husband walked out the front door to go to work, and her boyfriend came in the back door. Drugs, alcohol, you name it, involved. I was so disconnected from her, I, I didn't have her number in my phone. Wasn't even sure where she lived. And my mom, I remember us having a conversation one day. She said, Bobby, what did I do wrong? I raised him just like I raised you. She said, and it seems like the more I pray for her, the worse she gets. I think I'll stop praying, she said. I said, Mama, you can't do that. You can't stop praying. You got to keep praying. Listen to me. It's not in vain. Listen to me, mamas and daddies. It's not in vain. Almost 15 years had passed. I didn't even have her number in my phone. I'm so disconnected. I'm in Louisiana preaching. And it's a Saturday night. My phone rings. I answer the phone. And I hear somebody weeping on the other end of the phone. I thought it was a crank call at first. I'm like, hello? And my sister, she's always called me brother. Hardly ever calls me by my name for whatever reason. And I hear weeping. Brother, I've got to get back to God. I said, where are you at? She told me what town she was in. I said, let me call you right back. This was Saturday night. I hung up the phone, found out the pastor in that town, called him, said, I'm sending my backslidden sister to you in the morning. Please love on her. She needs a church. Called her back. I said, come on, we're going to pray right here, right now. We began to pray on the phone. God began to move, and I heard my sister, who'd been backslid for years, get restored. She began to speak in that heavenly language as God began to put her life back together. She went to church the next day. She's been living for God ever since. Listen, I've come to tell you, don't you stop believing. Don't you stop praying. It's not in vain. Now, here's what I want us to do. This is going to sound like the craziest altar call. We're going to do something in the physical that's going to represent something in the spiritual. I want you to take your hands like you're holding something. And this is going to be your problem. Just hang on to it. It's going to be that problem. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about your problem. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy. You want me to think about my problem? Listen, don't act like you don't think about it. We think about it all day long. Come on, he's with us all day long. This is the safest place to think about it. Come on, think about it. Think of the intensity of that situation. Come on, think about it. Think of the pressure that it causes you. Come on, think about it. Think of how it affects you mentally. That's it. Let those tears flow. Think about how it affects you spiritually. Come on, think about it. Think of the fear that it causes you. Think of the frustration. Think of the anxiety you've got wrapped up in it. Think of the time you've wasted over it. Think of the pity parties you've had because of it. Think of the happiness that's stolen from you. Come on, think about all these things. Think of the energy you've wasted on it. You got it? Is it clear? Now open your eyes with me. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a countdown. Three, two, one. And we're going to throw this junk down. And I'm asking you for five minutes. I've got a timer on my clock. That's 300 seconds. 
That's all I'm asking for. We're going to throw this junk down and all the energy that we normally put in our problem, we're going to put it towards the problem solver. Come on, do you think that Jesus deserves five minutes of our time? We've spent years, days, months, weeks worrying about this, putting all of our energy in the, in the problem. How many of you believe the Lord deserves five minutes? Listen, I know it, it may sound simple, but when you begin to worship God, there's something that happens. Worship will get you through the roughest of times because it shifts your focus from the problem to the problem solver. Are you ready? Come on, three. Come on, get ready. Come on, I want you to get, I want, remember all that energy you put in. I'm not talking about some little mamby-pamby, half-hearted clap. I want you to put the energy that you've invested in that problem into some worship toward the one who can make a difference. Amen, are you ready? Two, come on, listen, let me ask you, has worrying about it ever helped? Has it made it one iota better? No, no, it just drags us down. Come on, he deserves, amen, five minutes, 300 seconds. Are you ready? One, come on, throw it down. Starting the clock, lift your hands, lift your voice. Come on, throw that mess down. Let's start investing some energy. Come on, put some energy into it. Yes, come on, put some energy into it. Come on, it ain't over. It ain't over. You're in the moments before your miracle. God has not forgotten you. Come on, sis. He's not overlooking you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. We're putting some energy into it. Come on, devil, you liar. God's not through. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord's not quite done. I need three minutes. Pastor Lewis, Missionary Lewis, read to you verse 29 in which immediately the bleeding stopped. She could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition the focus of the story shifts to Jesus 
And we many times lose focus on the woman because Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Of course, his disciples said, look, this is a crowd pressing you. How can you ask who touched my robe? Who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. The focus of the story comes back in verse 33 to the woman because then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. I just want you to note something. Missionary Lewis, thank you so much for speaking faith, but speaking faith in a way that does not bring condemnation. There are too many in our movement who preach faith, but they preach it with an edge of condemnation, and it's a timing issue. Without faith, you cannot please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and must also believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you notice the language of diligently seek him is a language of across time? I, I, don't, I don't have to diligently do anything if it takes 30 seconds. I don't have to diligently do anything if it takes a day. 12 years. It's when we get into, what was it, 36 years you said? It's when we get into decades. That's when the diligently seeking him is present. And here's the problem. The moment your miracle happens, you no longer need faith. It's happened. The moment a dead person has risen from the dead, that is not a moment of faith. That is a moment of fact. The moment that his baby granddaughter's back was put straight. It ceased to be a moment of faith. It was a moment of fact. And here's the problem. We have for too long preached that there's some mystery, some thing that happens in the moment of faith at the moment of the miracle. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. When you read verse 33, do you find a woman in that moment having faith? Let me read it to you again. Frightened. Trembling. It's not faith. No, God has moved in a way that she doesn't even know how to comprehend. God has moved in a way that she doesn't even know what to do with it. It's sounding like that son-in-law of yours who's just screaming his head off because he doesn't know what to do. He's half freaked out by the fact, what was that hand? What was going on with that violent reconstructing of that spine? When God moves, he moves in ways that freak us out. Hear me, church. The moments before your miracle are the moments you exercise your faith. Do not be condemned. And thank you, missionary, because you pointed us to the faithfulness in the moments before the miracle. In every moment, if you bigger the miracle, 
the more that you're going to have to be diligently seeking him. If God gave you a miracle tonight, we thank him. We thank him. But if this happens to be one of those services where you asked again, and the timing, and he just spoke through his spirit, through tongues and interpretation, will you trust me with the timing? Will you believe me with the timing? Then let's go be faithful. New RQPC. Let's go be faithful. Let's go be faithful with our sons and daughters who have left the Lord. Let's go be faithful. Let's go be faithful as we wait for the Lord to perform the financial miracles he's promised, but we don't see the evidence of. Let's go be faithful. Let's go be faithful when we are reaching for our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers, and it feels like nothing's happening. Let's go be faithful. Let's go be faithful when our bodies are still hurting, the headaches are still coming, the backs are still hurting, and God hasn't performed it. The cancer's still there. The doctor's still working, and we haven't seen the miracle. Let's go be diligently seeking him because we believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You say, but the missionary said moments. Do I need to remind you? Come on, you're a very theologically well-educated congregation. A day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as a day. Do I need to tell you the joke? This is all moments in Jesus' timing. He just spoke to you through tongues and interpretation. Will you trust me with the timing? So I want us to close tonight. We went way longer than five minutes. It's amazing once you start worshiping, you just keep going. But I want us now, in an act of faith, to lift our hands to him and say, God, I trust you with the timing. Hallelujah. I trust you right now with the timing. God, you sovereignly spoke to us tonight. Oh, Missionary Lewis has no clue, Lord Jesus, all of the places that, you, that, that that word spoke into. But, God, we trust you with the timing. God, this is not us backing up. This is not us believing. This is us diligently seeking you. Hallelujah. We're going to diligently seek you. God, we're going to trust you whether that means a few more weeks, whether that means a few more months, or that means decades, Lord. We are going to diligently seek you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We've heard your word. We've heard your word. You are the miracle worker. We will diligently seek you. We believe you are, and we will diligently seek you. And I praise you, and I worship you, and I give thanks, Lord. I will be faithful. My faith will make me whole. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Praise God. Thank you for using the examples you did, Missionary Lewis. Almost every one of them that he used under the unction of God were examples of miracles that occurred after a long time. Faithfulness. I don't know why God does it this way, folks, but I do know that he does it this way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'll try to share a little bit with missionary over dinner tonight to let him know how much he was in the mind of God.
but you all know. I, I, I can't, due to privacy, due to time, doing constraint, I can't fully explain to him how much he was in the mind of God. But you all know how much he was in the mind of God. I don't explain to any of you how much he was in the mind of God. We heard from the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You want to know why I'm such a, I know I'm horrible when I use this word, but I'm, 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 it, I was going to say why I'm such a Nazi about coming to church. Maybe I shouldn't use that since you're going to Germany. But anyway, you want to know why I'm so committed to coming to church? Because you cannot get God to publish a schedule about what's on his agenda on any given service. I'm so glad I didn't stay home tonight. Ooh, sweet Jesus. Am I glad I did not stay home tonight? I'm sure glad because I don't know when God's going to bring that word from the Lord. We've heard from him tonight, have we not? Amen, amen. Could you put your hands together and thank Brother Lewis? Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I know it's the word of the Lord, but he's got to have servants that are willing to hear his voice and be obedient unto that voice. We thank you, Missionary Lewis. Amen, amen. He's had a long day. This is his third service. I made him work today. I made him work today. So I told him I'm going to take him out, feed him, and send him home to go to bed. God bless you all. Go be faithful. I love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.